0: Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's
1: show notes. Hi, this is Olivia Berkman. Today's episode of How I Got Here is a conversation with Tamara Sword. Tamara is a certified public accountant and ordained minister who works to bridge the worlds of finance and faith. With a passion for making a meaningful impact, she serves as both an employee and consultant, guiding churches, nonprofits, and businesses towards success. Tamara is a mentor on FEI Engage's mentorship platform, and you'll soon learn why. She is passionate about improving lives, both in and out of the office. Here's our conversation. Hi Tamara, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's so nice to talk with you today. I want you to start with just walking me through your career since college. There has been, my career has taken so many turns. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun,
0: though, to see the journey. Um after college, I actually did some ministry training and um went and did that for a couple of years and uh, then came back and was actually doing some full time ministry work and then I started going back into the kind of consulting realm. I was doing some temp work in the business business realm. And so that was, you know, kind of getting me back in. I have um always been great with numbers. And so that's kind of what had led me in the business direction to begin with. And so QuickBooks was kind of really building at that time. And so I became an expert in QuickBooks and still am. So I was working that in different companies. And after a while, I thought, I want some other education. So my other education went into, um, I found an MBA, and that was an MBA in leadership. And so I thought, "Ooh, this is exactly what I want is something in leadership. And so I got my MBA, realized I was one credit shy of, being able to sit for the CPA exam, which was actually in a new format (laughs) at that time. It had gone to electronic and I decided, okay, let's go for this. So as I was doing that, it took me into various um, areas of my work life. Um, I had started with some accounting manager roles um, when I was doing some some consulting and then that turned into some full-time roles along in there. Then I took a controller position at a, a small company and I started working my MBA. From there, I went and helped create a finance department um, at a large hospital and so was able to help develop a new role there. Um, and then I got an opportunity to take on another controller role um, back in um, closer to my area. And that began my journey into the oil and gas industry um that company got sold and the cfo took me to another oil and gas company and i got to do controller and treasury there from an international standpoint um, at a private company and so that was again broadening that experience um, i then did some good consulting on my own out of my own firm and then had the opportunity to help a large retail company Um, transform their treasury department. (laughs) And so they had done a lot of acquisitions, but treasury hadn't been consolidated. So I got to work with that um, and then got to go into an area on my own again. And then I got asked to be a CFO at a local transportation company. And so did that for a little while. And then after some other transitions, currently I'm back in consulting and doing, just helping another company, just transition systems and transition processes. And so along the way, it's just continued to kind of stair-step and also continue to work with the ministries and the churches that I love, but also working um, in corporate America as uh, in different various roles from, you know, controller roles to functional, uh, fractional CFO roles and the like.
1: So I want to get into the benefits and the challenges of consulting, but before we do that, I... I'm remembering something that you had said when you and I last spoke about um, that you are always good with numbers and and you said, don't be intimidated by the numbers. They tell a story. So I wondered if you would kind of expand on that a little bit. I had written that down the last time that we spoke. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I work,
0: especially with small businesses and small organizations such as churches or any other startup organization, a lot of times what I find is that the organization is like, I can manage, I can do what I know to do, but I don't want to see those reports because if there's a negative and it's red, I think I'm just failing or it's just, it's too much. I don't understand it. And so I tried to help people understand that reports, whether that is balance sheet and PL, statement of financial, uh, uh, financial position or statement of activities, those are telling about the organization. It's telling what's happened so then we can plan for the future. But it's not like this is negative. This is bad. This is great. This is good. It's what is the story behind it? What has created those numbers? What's built into that? Maybe we had a large marketing campaign. And so that's why there was some extra spend here. And it's not that it's bad, it's that we're planning for the future. Or it could be that we had a large donation from somebody or we had a big sale. And so that's where the influx came in. So it depends on the story behind the numbers, not just here's numbers on a piece of paper. And I think sometimes that's what people see when they see a report. It's numbers and it's a blur, depending on their background, you know, and what their scope is. I I try to get them out of it's just numbers on a piece of paper to there's a story behind these numbers and this number helps to understand this number. And mm-hmm. here's how we look at it.
1: So <clears throat> tell me about consulting. What are the benefits? What what attracts you to consulting? And what are some of the challenges? I'm thinking specifically of people listening who maybe haven't considered um, a career path in consulting.
0: You know what I love about consulting is I've gotten to work in so many different industries now you can say i want to be in certain industries or certain things that i really like but along my journey i have got to be in so many different um, kinds of industries all the way from the nonprofit sector and churches oil and gas education medical manufacturing transportation retail all these type of things that i've gotten to have some experience in Across this board, accounting is accounting. Now, there are nuances in all these industries, and it's wonderful to dive deep into those. And so there are certain times that I have to deep into certain industries. But it's also nice to be able to learn from all the different industries and then be able to take that knowledge and have it be applicable where they may not understand how I've seen it somewhere else and we can apply some new practice and build those processes. Because what I feel like when I go into organizations, some of my strengths are that I can help develop processes and develop people. So teams and processes on how we how we work on those things. And so learning from some of the different places has helped me along the way to help each of these organizations just um, get more efficient and more, but even more than that, more effective in what they're trying to do.
1: And tell me about some of the challenges of consulting. I mean, beyond acclimating to a new industry, what are some mm-hmm. of the other kind of, <clears throat> tougher tougher parts of consulting work?
0: One of the things I was even just thinking about um, over this last week is things can get quite, quite stressful in any organization. When I'm going in as a consultant, they're hiring a consultant because they have a problem, <laughs> generally, not not always, but for the most part. So I have to remind myself that most of the situations I'm going to be in are going to stay stressful, you know. And when we get it nice and neat and pretty, that's generally when I'm going to go on and learn something new. Um, so that is one of the challenges that I see, and that I have to then learn how to manage myself, know how to manage and my own uh, process thinking of, oh no, it's stressful. That's why I'm here. <laughs> this is what my job is: is to come into a chaotic situation and bring order as much as I can and every, uh, organization has its own structures and you learn all that. So I think that's one of the, to me, biggest challenges is what, how do they do things, learning them and reminding myself that chaos is normal.
1: And speaking of managing yourself, how do you manage stress? Are you somebody who you have a stressful, uh, experience with, with work and you bring it home with you? Or are you pretty good about disconnecting? How do you, uh, cause you have to come in and be, um, a calming force in a way. So how do you manage that? Um, in various ways, sometimes mm-hmm. better
0: than others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, most of the time right now I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. So, what's hard sometimes is to remind myself, shut it down and don't think about it. And that has to be, you know, shutting the client's computer down or walk completely walking away, going in, going to work out or, you know, going to get a massage or, you know, doing something that helps me completely disconnect. Mm. Um, I'm again, I'm a person of faith. So my mornings start out with scripture reading and time with the Lord and just resetting myself for the day. Mm -hmm. And then I can go, okay, now what do we have to do today? Um, Sometimes you get up and all of a sudden there's 10 messages and it's like, okay, here's where we're starting. Other times, you know, you can start at a little slower pace. It just kind of depends. And sometimes when things get really frustrating, it's like, hey, I'm going to be offline for the next... 15, 20 minutes or five minutes or whatever it is. One of the things I've tried to do is I love it that in Outlook, you can schedule meetings that are just shorter than your 30 minutes or your hour, which gives you that white space Mm. kind of reset. Sometimes the meetings still go all the way. But I was actually just talking to somebody recently and they were like, why do you set your meetings this way? I'm like, oh, it's a setting and it's intentional because I'm trying to make sure... I am managing myself and I'm managing my time to either write some notes down, reset myself for my next meeting or the next project I'm trying to do.
1: Right. It Also pushes you to be thoughtful about how much time is really required here. Um, If it automatically sets to 30 minutes, 30 minutes might be way too long for a particular um, problem you're solving or or discussion that you need to have. Uh, An hour could be way too short. I mean, so it it does push you to uh, be thoughtful about, okay, what are we trying to accomplish and how much time do we Actually, need for it. And you're being protective of your own time and space and energy. I think that's one thing I've had to learn mm-hmm. over
0: these last probably 10 to 15 years is that I wasn't always being protective of my time and protective of myself. Um, I, I believe there was a point in time within the last 10 years that I almost got to the point of kind of a, a burnout, if you will, or something. I was already making some changes, so it never got to, uh, you know, crash Mm -hmm. burn. But I'm having to learn to manage that better anywhere that I go and not overextend myself in any area because you want to, we all want to give 110%. But if we give 110%, where's that other 10% coming from? Right. And then what is, what are we doing for our own family or for the other areas of our life that we need, or even for ourselves? What is it that we need to do to put those things in buckets so that we can, you know, it's kind of they talk about the the rocks that go into the jar. If you put the big rocks in first, then you can put the other, then you can get the sand and then you can even add some water. But mm. it depends how you're filling that and just making sure that we're not over overfilling ourselves.
1: Right. What would you say you said that that was something that you've learned to do over the last 10, 15 years? What were some of the challenges that kind of stand out to you from really early in your career um, when you were kind of fresh out of school and figuring out what direction you were going to take? I think uh, some of the challenges
0: is that, uh, well, as a single female, Sometimes there's not anyone there at home. And so mm-hmm. I can just stay here and work. I can just mm-hmm. get this done. So I say, like, can you do this? Well, sure, I can make this happen. So I'm overextending myself. That's my own fault <laughs> because I'm not managing that. And I didn't know to manage it. Mm-hmm. I had to have someone. And I'm, I'm so grateful that around that time, I was given an executive coach to work with for about a year and a half. And they started helping me see those things that maybe somebody wasn't truly expecting, but I was allowing. And so in that process, um, it became more evident to me. And then I had a boss say, um, that t- I, I kind of stood up and said, Oh, well, wait a minute, I need to do this. And they kind of laughed. They said, Hey, I called this on myself, didn't I? Cause I put you through coaching. <laughs> we laughed about it, but it helped me to be more self-aware in what I was allowing people to do and say to me and what I was doing to myself in my own time and, it, and energy.
1: It's a little bit of a nosy question, but how did that How did the executive coach come about? Because I can imagine somebody listening who's earlier in their career and thinking, gosh, I would love to have an executive coach. Did you make that request? Someone saw some potential in you? Like, how did that happen? They told me they saw some potential.
0: And so that's what they wanted to offer me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at that point, I was like, okay, why am I doing something wrong? Right. Right. That was my that was my feeling because I didn't I didn't know I'd never worked with a coach like that before. Um, And so I was grateful. um, And I but I was also very nervous when I stepped into that relationship because I'm like, okay what are they going to say? Are they going to go back to my boss and tell me, you know, all those kind of things. And um, I, I learned that with this person that I could trust them you know, again, you've got to identify those things. And so you got it for each person individually. But in this case, I was able to trust this person. And, you know, I learned a lot from her and actually was able to stay in touch with her over the years, not necessarily fully coaching, but Mm -hmm. continue to then build uh, further relationships. And that's not in every situation, but in this situation, it kind of grew into that. It, but I learned a lot mm-hmm. um, and that, but they, they offered it to me. They said they, you know,
1: saw that I could do more. Mm, that's awesome. Tell me a little bit about the motivation to get your MBA in leadership. How did that, how did that happen?
0: Well, I, I've always been in leadership type roles, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in the church or other activities and other groups that I've been in, you know, kind of, um, Stepped into that. I'm not really an outgoing, <laughs> extroverted person, but you know, if there's something that's needed, I will absolutely step up and even help organize it. You know, um, and and when I was trying to figure out some things around that time in my life, it I thought leadership. Hmm, is there workshops? Is there things that I can grow? To make sure that I'm being um, not just trying to do tasks, but making sure the people are involved, but also not just doing it. The people and don't care about the task. I was really trying to evaluate how I was managing myself and the teams I was working with. So that's when I started looking for leadership things and came across a Texas Women's University had an MBA program on leadership that was 51% online and 49% in class and it was here in Houston. So I was able to go on Saturdays and um do the in person side made some really great friends um, but that was a new part of them coming into Houston. Most of their stuff in Houston was in the medical field but they had just brought their MBA program um to Houston and I was able to join that. But that's kind of how I got to it because I was really wanting Again, to build my scope and leadership and my skill sets, and I was really excited when then I thought, "Oh, I can get an MBA with this!" <laughs> and so, kind of continued to build out my uh, my accounting, uh, finance, and the, that scope that I'd already been working in for so long, but then also the leadership and how I worked, whether it was in organizations or in um, the corporate organizations or in the church.
1: So you have mentioned uh, that faith is really important to you, and I know that you work with nonprofits and churches quite a bit. So, can we learn a little bit more about your background and your relationship to religion and and the, the church community? Sure.
0: Um, I have
1: I've grown up in church. Um, you know,
0: we have been involved in a handful of churches over the years. I've been on staff at a few churches. Um, Really, I have I have grown to love the Lord um, since I was a a young child, Um, you know, and it depends on everybody comes from different backgrounds. And I'm grateful for the history that I have um, in in church organizations. Um, My my grandfather, my my dad's father was a was a pastor. Um, We were not ever in their locale, they were in other places doing some revitalization in other cities. But, um, so there's some history there. My dad led worship in churches and a lot of other things that were, you know, we've grown up with. Um, and so it just, that's kind of always, it was always a passion of mine. Um, and so then I did some ministry training and the early, uh, early part after I graduated um, high school, did some official training, and then continued to do some studies. Um, I actually got a a different master's in Christian education uh, from a school. And I've also uh, was ordained back in uh, 97. And so I've been an ordained minister now for 20 20 something years. (laughs) And so utilizing all of those different factors, um, I just really have a passion to see People's lives changed, you know, and how they can grow in the Lord, but how they can also then live in that way. So it's not just, oh, we got to go to church. Uh, yes, church is important, but it's about people's lives and their, their, their focus and where they can go. And it's kind of been a proven a factor, too, that it, as, you know, you are spending time wherever it is, whatever somebody's faith is, spending time with that focus, it can bring a calm it can bring a direction, it can bring a peace in chaotic situations. And all of us in accounting are experiencing chaotic situations at various times, as we've come through all the different things that have been going on in our world. And so, you know, this is a, it's an important part of my life and what I like to share with people as they're interested.
1: So that's a great segue talking about you you wanting to see people's lives change. How did you develop uh, and what prompted you to come up with your personal mission statement? You shared it with me last time we spoke.
0: Um, What prompted me initially as i was you know working on some stuff for my own firm i i set up my firm right after i got my cpa license cuz again i wanted to work with churches and i wanted to be legal here in texas so um i'm you know i have a, a handful that i work with you know through my own firm but and so i've i've continued over the years to try to find ways to make that better and as an organization I was working with they were like well what's your mission vision purpose and so I began to kind of flesh that out and then a few weeks ago I was leaning into you know some other opportunities and someone said well what is your personal mission statement and so again fleshing things out and that's kind of how I kind of began working on something it's not um I guess never ever finalized and so I'm still still developing it but Really, I kind of just say my mission is to inspire and empower individuals and organizations to cultivate exceptional leadership skills that are anchored in unwavering integrity and fostering comprehensive personal and professional growth. That's kind of where we I put my crux. Again, it's developing people and developing teams. But we've got to do that with integrity and wanting to continue to grow ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we've talked a lot about developing people, the importance of that for you. Uh, I imagine you are a mentor to many. What's the experience of mentorship been like for you, whether as a mentee yourself or as a mentor to others? What's the mentorship journey?
0: I I, I am a learner. No, sometimes we think, oh, uh, how do I do this? And how do I do that? So it's great to have somebody to walk alongside you. Also, to sometimes just bring a sense of, I'm not losing my mind here, <laughs> you know, in those kind of circumstances where we might feel like we're isolated in our situation or, or you know, in whatever circumstances we're working with. So, uh, kind of as a follow up on where my mission is in that vision, it's through the coaching and mentorship, developing leaders who can skillfully navigate challenges and the ability to inspire others to reach their full capacity. That is what I have had some others do, maybe not in a formal situation, but they have kind of helped me with. And so that's why I have allowed myself and wanted to help others along the way. Many of those have been kind of short term. Um, Some of those a little more formalized and meeting once a month for six months, a lot of times it is people on the journey and they're just going, this is where I am. Is this normal? This is where I am. What am I doing here? Well, let's talk about, you know, what your options are. Where are you wanting to go? How can we grow here? How can we cheer you on? You know, how can we help grow through these areas? And to me, that's that's one of the key sides of mentoring is just being there with that person to to see what they're doing in that. Many times in, it's a work situation or some of those things. I mean, I've, I've got people that I've talked with that are like, I want to do something different, but I'm not sure my resume is right. Okay, let's look at that. And if I can't get it to where we need to go, we'll find the right person to help you get to those next steps. Sometimes it's as basic as that. And other times it's, here's a real challenge that we're going through and then we can figure out how to walk through it.
1: When you're giving advice to a mentee, uh, what are some of the things that you listen for uh, that would indicate to you that the mentee should change companies, for instance, or like that, that maybe it's the wrong cultural fit or it's the wrong role for them? Because obviously we're all it's confusing. We're encouraged to stick with things and kind of fight through challenges, overcome, and that work is meant to be hard. And so how do you really advise, I'll say younger people, earlier career folks uh, who are struggling? Great. Uh, Great question. And it's
0: hard to sometimes, you know, you've got to identify really where people are. Mm -hmm. Are they trying to escape a situation or are they really trying to grow and are stuck, Mm -hmm. you know, in that kind of a situation? I think it, every situation is different. And so it's listening to really kind of, it's going to sound, but listening to their heart, really listening to see where are they? Is it again, trying to escape a situation? You know, I want to get out of here because I can't stand this person or I'm working on this, I can't tell that I'm, you know, I've worked on this for a while and we're not making any headway. Mm. And even in those kind of situations, one of the things that I really look at, and I, when I'm hiring, or if I'm encouraging someone to look for someone, or if I'm looking for someone, it's kind of like what I describe as like a three legged stool. You know, one, can the person do the job? Can I do the job? Do I want the job that I like? You know, what that's going to look like. Can I accomplish it? And then does that culture fit for that person or for myself? You know, all of those things are going to be vitally important. Now, none of those mean their success, but if you have the if you have all three of those, you have the opportunity for success in those things and for for longevity. If you don't, you're going to have some real problems in there. And I think it's important that, yes, there's times that we have to push through. There's times that we just need a paycheck because of whatever situation that we're in. But beyond that, we need to look past the paycheck. We need to look at the culture. We need to look at the industry somebody's interested in or, you know, can, can want to do like a consulting that varies the industries. But look at the culture that's going into. I was just actually talking to someone in a completely different field and they said they chose the company they're working in because of the culture that was there, because of the longevity. It may not have been the highest paying um, deal, but they decided that for my Long term for my family and for myself, this is, this has been best and it's worked out great for them. And I think that's what we need to look at in all our situations is what is the longevity? What are we really passionate about? And how do we fit in that kind of a culture? And there's questions to ask when you're checking on culture. There's different things, but you can analyze that from where you are today and seeing if it's the right place, the right fit for the long. Longer haul. Um, Or you can also look at that when you are looking at a new opportunity, you know, asking these questions. So what I want to do, can I do it (laughs) or can I get the skills to do it? I mean, I can do it today. There's things that we can grow into. But also, is it the right kind of culture? And sometimes we have to know what kind of management do we work best under? How, what kind of manager are we? You know, if that's the kind of role, what is it that works in that circumstance and how do I want to grow in that?
1: I love what you said, looking past the paycheck. I think that's really great advice. It was something that was I was advised of when I was first- <laughs> uh, graduated from college, like get your foot in the door somewhere that you like, you know, and, and the role, the right role will come. And obviously that's not something that always doesn't always go that way. But I think that's an, uh, interesting to, to think of it, that would approach, uh, it that way. If you like the culture, you like what the company is doing, get your foot in the door. Yeah, and then you can then you can see from there. But right.
0: asking those kind of questions and not just mm. how much am I gonna make and what are the benefits? Right, right, right. <laughs> because
1: it's that's Still important, is. but
0: absolutely. Yes. And, but a lot of times, especially early in our career, that's all we hear. Right. Totally. And so to be able to think beyond that, mm-hmm. um you can be really uh helpful, insightful. Now again, sometimes there's not an option. It's like, this is what I'm doing for today. And there's a season that I'm going to be in this situation. Um, and, and then I want to really look for what are my next steps.
1: Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you because we're seeing people leave the accounting profession, um, or maybe not even, go into it in the first place, but what would you say to someone who is questioning their future in accounting uh, from someone who's held many different roles, been in many different industries and um, had great success? I would say accounting can be exciting. I,
0: when I first was thinking of accounting, I, everybody talked about it like, oh, you just sit in an office and you stare at a computer all day. Mm. And that was not exciting to me. <laughs> um, I, I just, I wanted more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of, as I, even as I've grown in my individual roles and in the manager, i specifically tell people, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and I'm gonna get work done, even Mm -hmm. in whatever role I'm in. Doesn't matter a title, we're gonna get work done. But I'm also going to be involved in people's lives. I'm going to and be involved with my team or be involved with the other coworkers that I have because that's how I can get success. And that's what I think sometimes going into any type of um, industry, accounting, especially because sometimes we think we're kind of pigeonholed into what the perception is mm. of accounting, but accounting broad bridges, lots of different things, uh, especially how they're even um, changing up the CPA exam now to, you know, in, include areas of audit, include the specific areas of tax and include the specific areas of corporate accounting advisory type of work. Understanding that there are so many areas of quote unquote accounting, quote unquote CPA, you know, just these different types of things They're They can be generic titles or generic. They're not generic, but you know what I mean? They can be considered broad scope. Right. And yet we can do so much inside of that that can really be quite varied and quite interesting. Um you know, in all these different industries and all these different types of roles that are available.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well said. So Tamara, that was the last question that I had for you. I'm just so grateful that you took the time to speak with me. I think you have such a an interesting story to tell. Uh, and I I love your enthusiasm for not only the profession, but just the work that you have found yourself in. Uh, it's very inspirational. I hope it encourages people listening to really think about uh, the... The, the idea that you have control over your career and your future, uh, and you can kind of be as narrow or broad as you like, and you can find passion within finance and accounting. I think, uh, I think you would agree that you have really kind of tailored your career uh, to fit with what you care about. Is that fair to say? It it is, and I I'm grateful that I've gotten to take this
0: journey. Mm. Um, it has gone with lots of twists and turns, but it's it's I'm grateful. Um, Lord has given me this opportunity to learn and be able to help others and be able to, you know, help organizations. It's, it's been a joy so far and I want to continue it being a joy. And that's why sometimes I have to really relook and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Maybe I need to take care of myself a little bit more just so that I can make sure that I'm enjoying what I'm doing because we don't need to, we don't need to hold ourselves back. And sometimes I think we can do that just by not taking care of ourselves or, um, kind of feeling stuck. And that's where we can really look around and say, where can I bring a mentor coach alongside me to help grow and to help myself grow and to help me grow, um, in my career. Mm
1: -hmm. And I should mention Tamara that you and I became connected because you, you are a mentor on our guider platform for FEI engage. So for any FEI engage subscribers who are listening, you can, um, you can form a relationship with Tamara and, and she can, uh, give you her wise words, uh, personally. So Tamara, thank you so much again for taking the time and for your great advice. Thank you. Really appreciate the time here today.